You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjacks.com. Yeah, so this is good. I was here um, last year. Uh, I'm going to try to do uh, the whole spin around, but I had knee surgery about six weeks ago. It's quite pathetic. I'm starting off on a quite pathetic note, aren't I? But I had knee surgery about six weeks ago, so I'm not as agile. Usually I do backflips when I preach and all that, but I can't do that this morning. Um, But I was here uh, a year ago and just had a great time. I really felt like um, I connected with the church. Really, um, I feel like our church in, in Southern California and a lot of our DNA and how we do things and um, just felt like we have a lot in common and so we've really connected relationally and so uh, when Antley asked me to come back I thought yeah I would love to actually because I just feel like you guys um, uh, just really wonderful church really wonderful what God's doing but I also feel like um, that the Lord has um, got you at a place uh, where he's about to to break something open and, um, you know, I was uh, even praying this morning, the Lord just reminded me about you guys turning 10 years old uh, last week. And we have the same anniversary, by the way. And, um, and just um, there's something significant, I think, actually, when a church um, turns 10. And so I really want to encourage you in that. So it's good to be here. It's been good the last couple of days. And, and um, this morning, um, I want to talk about um, uh, a little bit about just being fishers of men. I just sort of praying about you know, what God has for us this morning, you know, every, every meeting's different, every, every time is different, and I, I just felt like for this morning that the Lord wanted me to encourage you in how God calls us, and I think it's good to be reminded, don't you think it's good to be reminded how God sees us, and how God calls us, and how God anoints us, don't you think it's good to be reminded, because sometimes I think um, we get so busy with life, and we get, you know, just busy, and, um, you know, we could be saved a lot of years or, or honestly, we could just be saved a few years. And we, we tend to forget the things that God says over our lives. And um, what I really felt like this morning is to kind of go back to the beginning uh, in a sense of really how, how, God, how God calls us. Um, I've been reading Ephesians again. I love the book of Ephesians. I love, uh, I love, I just love the Bible. I'm like one of those people I just love to... Uh, which is probably good because I'm a, I'm a teacher. So it's good that I like the Bible <laughs> and it's good that I like to read it. Um, but I've been going through Ephesians again. And I mean, I just love Ephesians, you know, the whole first chapters, a uh, few chapters, how it talks about all these wonderful things that God has given to us and, and, and really one, two, and three. In chapter two, it talks about this, um, how God, you know, um, calls us, but that he, when he saves us, that he creates things in us of what we're made for and what we're called to. And one of the things that Jesus says over us is that he, called us to do good work. So when God saves us, it's always unto something. It's not just that you get saved and that you end up in heaven. It's that God's invited you into something. So this morning, I mean, this could be your first time here. And I really want to encourage you uh, just to know that God uh, has an invitation for you this morning. He has an invitation for all of us. And that when God, when God rescues us, because that's really what it is, isn't it? Uh, if we really think about where we were or, you know, our life before Jesus, how well did that go? And, you know, and then when he saves us, he rescues us, literally rescues us. And, and it's, it's always under a purpose. And in Ephesians, it talks about that he calls us to do uh, good works that he's, he's literally put in advance for us to do. So it's always been our destiny um, that our life would be under something. And so we find all through the Gospels where Jesus said, now this is my ministry and this is what I've in, invited you into, so to speak. But I, I want to talk out of Matthew. I'm just going to take a short text this morning. Out of Matthew uh, chapter 4, uh, verse 18. Let me read it so we have a context this morning, or it's up on your 
massive wall. Probably both places, isn't it? Yeah, like, isn't that brilliant? Verse 18, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew, and they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. And at once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, and they were in the boat where his father Zebedee was preparing the nets. And Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. So this is honestly, this is the call of the kingdom. So if you want to look at your life this morning, wherever that is, you know, wherever it is that you live, your life, your family, your business, whatever, it, it's like it's like Jesus, uh, you know, intersects us in different ways, and he calls us. He literally calls us into a life bigger than ourselves. So I think it's really powerful that when we talk about our life with Jesus, that we go back to the beginning, which is really what this picture here in, in Matthew is talking about. It's talking about that, that, first of all, that God sees us. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I need to know that God sees me. I need to know that he's not just in, inviting me in to do something, but that he literally sees who I am. Both times here, it says that Jesus saw Peter and Andrew, and then Jesus saw James and John. And the, the word saw here is really important because um, th- it means so much. When we see someone or we see something, it's like I'm looking at someone, I just see maybe their outer appearance, you know, I just uh, maybe see where they live or, you know. But the word saw here actually translated, it means that when Jesus saw these guys, the same how he sees us, it, it translated, it means that he sensed, he perceived, it means that he literally saw beyond where they were at. He saw the wholeness of who they were and the fullness of what they were to become. So when Jesus sees you, he doesn't just see your circumstance. He he doesn't just see the things that you're struggling with. He literally senses who you are. So this is the invitation of who Jesus is, is that basically when he sees us, that it's not just about our condition, that he sees that there's so much more than we realize. There's so much more because so much of the time, and actually pastorally, one of the things that I hear, uh, you know, often is that people feel overlooked. Have you ever felt overlooked? So it's interesting that Jesus would say, wait a second, when I call you actually to, to be a part of me and to walk with me, you need to know that actually you are not overlooked. And one of the things that the enemy will use often, he'll use that whole thing that God calls everybody else except us. And I love this because the amazing thing about Jesus is that he literally sees every part of who we are, yet he still invites us in. So all of our struggles, all of our burdens, all of our hardships, all of that stuff that we, we tend to put up between us and God, God says, no, wait a second, none of that. I'm not looking at that. I'm looking really at you. I created you. I want you. And so we need to know that that's how God invites us into his kingdom. Second Chronicles, uh, one of my favorite scriptures in chapter 16, verse 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Like God is looking for us. He's looking for people to engage in relationship. I actually love this, another version that it says this. It says, for the eyes of Adonai move here and there throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those who are wholehearted towards him. I mean, he's looking for us and he's wanting, he sees 
you know, the things that you do, the good, the bad, and the ugly, but he literally sees us that, that want to know him uh, because that's what he wants to do is he wants to invite us into this relationship. So Jesus saw, Jesus saw the guys here. He saw Peter, he saw Andrew, he saw James, he saw John, and he sees us. Really important. This is the invitation into the kingdom that God sees you. The second thing that it talks about here in this kingdom invitation is it says that Jesus called. It says, follow me and I will make you into disciple the word follow there it means to come now there's actually a force behind it so when jesus is is the invitation he's calling these guys but there's literally a a force behind the invitation and that is the 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 invitation that jesus has always given to us he's saying this is who i am this is what i'm doing now i'm inviting you into it so there's the invitation to know christ and then there's these ongoing invitations where god's inviting us into his plans and god's inviting us into his purposes and so god has an invitation for you today and you have a choice on whether or not you're going to accept the invitation and much of the time we keep all of these things where we think God only sees our struggle or God only sees what's wrong and therefore if we think that that's how God sees us then we'll never say yes to the invitation and that's why the first thing that we have to deal with is that even in the midst of all of our weaknesses and all of our hardship all of our burdens God sees all of that yet he still wants us to come and in that he calls us I love their response because it says that immediately they drop their nets another version says straight away in fact Mark's recollection of the gospel it says that without delay he called them and they left which means that they let go they left behind they abandoned another translation you know what it means is that it means that when they straight away left and went with Jesus they had to forgive the word forgive is in there. And sometimes when God is taking us one, one place to the next, it's not just about the letting go. It's also about the forgiving. And many times unforgiveness keeps us from going forward. Is that not true? But another word it has the word suffer in it as well. So these guys knew that there was going to be a price to pay. So Jesus saw, but Jesus called. But their response to that was immediate. That right away they let go of everything. And these guys... These guys saying yes to Jesus, they, they knew that this was not going to be an easy task. There was going to be some suffering in this. They were leaving their income. They were leaving their stability. I mean, you got to look at this in the context of us today. If Jesus walked up to you in your business and said, I want you to leave everything, follow me. And the thing is, we think, oh, that was then, that was, but the truth is, that is the invitation. The invitation is that when Jesus says, come, I want you to follow me, he's looking for the response that will be like, whatever it takes, Lord, I'm going to let go of whatever, I'm going to forgive whatever, even if it's under suffering, I want to go forward. I want to, I want to say yes to you, no matter what it is. I want to say yes to you. That's the invitation of what we've been invited into. And the truth is, when you see Jesus, when I see Jesus, nothing else really matters. When you and I encounter Jesus in the way that we're supposed to encounter him, and we know that he sees us in the way that he sees us, saying yes is not a problem. Because the truth is, much of the time we don't say yes because we forget that actually not only our blessing, but our wholeness, our life, our peace, our hope, is actually found in the letting go and following him. And what the enemy will do is the enemy will say, you better stay where you're at. You better hold on to that. You better not go anywhere. You better not say yes to that invitation because if you do, you don't know what you're going to give up and you don't know if there's really something on the other side. See the lie? And so the invitation to the gospel, this ongoing invitation into the call with Jesus Christ is that we have to be willing to let go. You can't take what is or what's coming if you're so... Uh, you know, full of what was. 
You can't, you can't hold on to the past and really accept the invitation. Sometimes our hands are so full of so many different things. Busy. We're just busy. You know, usually, you know, it used to be like if you go up to somebody and say, how are you doing? And somebody says, well, I'm fine. That used to be sort of the, the language. Now it is, you know, you ask people, how are you doing? They say, I'm busy. And I'm busy is like, you know, equated with um, how spiritual we are in a sense. And sometimes we can actually be busy with good, busy stuff. But if we're too busy to do the right things, we're too busy. If we're too busy holding on to things or carrying things that we can't say yes to the invitations that Christ gives to us, then we're too busy. Because this is what matters more than anything else. These guys knew that in saying yes to Jesus, which is so powerful because in them dropping everything and just following Jesus straight away, they were saying yes to the suffering. All of these guys, uh, but, but one, were martyred. All of these guys, all these four were. All but one of the disciples were martyred. They were, it was unto death. And as believers, we need to know that the, the call to Christ is the call to death. And if there's anything that I can encourage you in today, it would be this. Your life begins after death. It's when you die to yourself that you realize that when you say yes to Jesus, then that means your rights are over. And if you hold on to stuff, that's where you'll find you're miserable. That's where you find the struggle and not surrendering. That's usually where we're miserable at. Until you deal with death, you've never really lived. And the truth is, believe it or not, we're all terminal. How encouraging is that? I mean, you, you're going to die. That is the truth. We're all going to die. And so you have to make the decision. And this is what I believe. And this is what sometimes I think with the gospel that we forget. Death is a daily decision. We have to die to ourselves every single day. If we're going to say yes to the invitation of Jesus Christ, then it's going to cost us something. And you know what it's going to cost us? It's going to cost us us being comfortable. Because the truth is, if you're comfortable, something's really wrong. Because that's why God's given us the Holy Spirit, who is the comforter. So if we're not uncomfortable, we won't need his spirit. He's given us the provision of his spirit because he's saying, basically, the cost of the kingdom is you're going to be uncomfortable. So if you're not uncomfortable in the kingdom, something is very wrong. If you're not liking and necessarily comfortable in what God's asking you to do, it's probably the Lord. Because then you need to rely upon him. And so our greatest freedom comes when we die to ourself, when we die to self, when we die to the things that we think we want or the things that we think we want to give our time to, our money to, our energy to, because actually those are the things that will tell you what you're worshiping anyways. Is that not true? Where your time, your money, those are the, all those things will tell you what you're actually worshiping, what you're actually mastered by. And the things that master you are the things that have you. And so what Jesus is saying here is that you've got to deal with that whole let go. You've got to die to self because at the end of the day, our life comes when we first deal with death. So we have to ask ourselves the question, who are we going to live our life for? And I think, again, this is a daily decision that we're making all the time. And this is interesting because the word here is the same one that's used in, in Matthew uh, later, chapter 11, where it talks, uh, where Jesus says, I want you to come to me, all those that are weary and those that are, are heavy, you know, with, with burdens, I want you to come to me. This is actually the same uh, things translated. The same God who actually bids us to come and die is the same God who says, but I'm going to walk you through it. 
So this isn't about that God's giving us an invitation that it's unto death and it's about survival. This is about an invitation of God walking through life with us and empowering us to say yes to him. Because that's how he does it. Because we'll never do it without his spirit, right? And so it's the same words, actually even after he was risen from the dead as well. When the, when, uh, the angel said to Mary, he's not here, he's risen. It's actually translated the same uh, words in there where Jesus says, I want you to come. And I want, you to, I want you to go through this with me. All of it goes together. And this is what I do know. One thing I do know is that if we don't follow, we miss out. If you don't say yes to Jesus, you will miss out. You will miss out on the greatest things that God not only wants to do with you, because it's never just about you, but that God wants to do through you and, and in the people around you. You will miss out if you don't say yes. We are made to say yes. And people wonder all the time, you know, uh, this fear sort of, I don't want to miss out. I, I, wanna, I don't necessarily want to say yes to God in this area, but I, I don't want to miss out either. You know, that conflict of what happens in us is that we do want to say yes. We don't want to miss out, but it's that whole thing of, of, but can I say yes? Can I die to myself? Can I, can I literally um, say no to me and yes to God? That's an ongoing thing going on and on. Too many Christians have said today, yes, Jesus, I'm going to follow you, but they're still holding their nets. Yeah, I want to follow you. Yeah, I want to go where you're going, but I want to hold on to this area of security. Like, I'll give you this. Many times God's saying, I want that. And you'll say, yeah, I'll give you this part of me, Lord. And I'll give you this, but this actually, this is too secure for me. And have you found that God has no problem coming in and removing those places of security so that you'll rely upon him? Have you found that he has no problem doing that? Have you found that God has no problem with pain? And he has no problem saying, you know that thing, that that security blanket that you think that you have that's really an illusion anyways? Is you know that thing that you're holding on to? I'm just going to remove that because that's an area that I want you to trust me in. That's a part of yourself that hasn't died yet. And so much of the time, we haven't let go of things and immediately said yes to Jesus. I love this. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, one of my favorite theologians, said this. He said, we can only achieve perfect liberty and enjoy fellowship with Jesus uh, when his command, his call to absolute discipleship is appreciated in its entirety. Only the man who follows the command of Jesus, single-minded and unresistantly, lets his yoke rest upon, find his burden easy and under its gentle pressure, receives the power to persevere in the right way. The command of Jesus is hard, utterly hard for those two who try to resist it. But for those who willingly submit, the yoke is easy and the burden is light. It's literally in the surrender that we find the freedom. That really is the word of God. Or we can take what our culture is saying. And our culture is always looking for the easy way out. We can follow what Homer Simpson says when he said, if something's hard to do, then it's not worth doing. And that's our culture. Our culture is like, if this is hard, it must not be the Lord. If that door's not, it must not be the Lord. And the truth is, the best things are the hardest things to walk through. Because then we have to rely on God all the more. And could it be that sometimes the invitation to discipleship and following after Christ is hard because we haven't surrendered the parts that are resisting him? 
Could it be that we're still holding our nets in different ways? See, these guys said yes to Jesus and dropping their nets, but they dropped, they let go of everything, their jobs, their security, everything. Being a real follower of Jesus Christ is going to cost you something. And what it's costing me is probably going to be different than what it costs you. Because we live different lives and we have different areas of security blankets. For some, it might be money. For some, it might be family. For some, it might be relationship. For some, it might be business. But you need to ask the Lord and go before the Lord. Lord, what is it that you're asking of me? What is it that you're wanting me to come and die to? Whatever that is for you, you want to ask God to give you the power to surrender to him. Because the truth is, otherwise it's going to fight that very thing of, of what God wants to do in you and through you. And the quicker you respond, the greater the reward. You know why? Because your peace comes right away. When we say yes to God's invitation, when we say, yeah, I'm going to say no to that thing, and I'm going to say yes to this. It doesn't look easy. It doesn't look like it's all coming together. It's harder than what it could be. But I'm going to say yes to that. That is when the peace comes in. That is when the hope comes in. If you fight it, then there's no peace. That's why God says, I give you a peace that passes all understanding. He doesn't say, I'm going to give you understanding so you'll have peace. He said, I'm going to put you in situations that actually you're going to have a peace. And in the surroundings, it's not going to make any sense whatsoever. And we're like, I need to understand it before I say yes to it. And God says, I want you to say yes to it. And you may never have the understanding. And that's what it is. That's what the gospel is. In fact, if you understand everything God says to you, you just brought God down to your level. If God answers everything in the way that I think God should answer it, then that is a God of my own making. When people say, yeah, I read the Bible and it makes sense. This does not make sense. (laughs) Like, I don't understand when people say, oh, I get everything. You do? Because I don't. It's so, it's so backwards to the culture. None of it makes sense. Have you ever had God say something to you and it really makes sense? I mean, if you really think about the things that you've risked in, it doesn't make any sense in the natural. It only makes sense when we walk through it. And sometimes God gives us understanding and sometimes he doesn't. And sometimes we really don't want the understanding. Tell you the truth. Sometimes you really don't want to know. And if God's not telling you that, it's for a reason. So Jesus saw Jesus calls, really important. The third thing that it talks about here is that Jesus makes. This is what Jesus does with us. He's forming us. He's making us. He says, I'm going to make you. And makes, make here actually does mean, it means to frame you. It means to form you. It means to construct. But it also means to perform, to promise. So when God's saying, I see you, I'm calling you, I'm also going to bring your life into promise. This is who you're supposed to be. This is who you're meant to be. But he's saying, I have to make you into that. Notice he doesn't say, hey, I'm going to make you rich. Hey, I'm going to make you famous. Hey, I'm going to make you popular. I'm going to do all that. No, he's saying, you know, I'm going to make you into a a fisher of men. He's going to make us into fish. That's how we know that we're followers of Christ. I love what a friend of mine said, because so much of the time we think in in the West, we think that the Christian life is, is the American dream. The Christian life is not the American dream. The kingdom is not the American dream. The kingdom is something that is an invitation to the gospel and the ways of Jesus Christ that will not make sense this side of heaven. And in that, when God sees us and he calls us and he's making us into the promise of what we're supposed to be, it's not gonna look like the culture around us. It's not a drive-through. This isn't Burger King. This isn't, you can have everything the way that you want it. This is painful at times. When you are being constructed, when you are being formed, there's a pressure in that. There is a pressure sometimes. Have you ever felt the, the pressure of life? The harsh, have you ever felt the pressure of life? Come on. Have you ever felt when it's hard and God's making you into something? It hurts. 
it goes against what you're wanting, you have to understand that when God's having to make us, he's having to push against the things that we're pushing against. And sometimes that's very difficult. But th- this is the way that God calls us, is that God, you know, by his voice, which is why it's so very important, which again, why God says, I see you. When God sees us, that, then God calls us. There's something about his voice. Like you have to know the voice of God because it, it's great. I love it when people give me words or, or, you know, I hear things. I think that's really important. But the truth is there's nothing like me, myself, in my own walk with God, hearing God's voice. Like at the end of the day that I know that's what God said for me to do. That's the invitation of, do you see what I'm saying? You yourself, I can talk to you about it all day long, but you yourself have to experience the presence of God. You have to know God's voice. You have to know that God has called you. That can't be about your parents' relationship with, with God. That can't be about other people's, that, you can't live that off of a, a leader, or speaker, or whatever. It has to be you encountering God and you hearing the voice of God. And it is Christ's desire that when we hear him, that we would yield to him and that we would, be, uh, we would allow ourselves to be made and to be formed into what we're called to be. And all that, that takes is surrender. It takes that we're gonna surrender to him, saying yes to him, and it's not an overnight deal. This is not like an easy fix. You're not an easy fix. This is, not a, this is a, a process, an ongoing process where God is molding us and God's removing things and putting things inside of us. But in the process of that, it's because God sees potential in you. Even if you're full of all kinds of bondage this morning, God sees potential in you. He doesn't even see the bondage. He doesn't see the addictions. He doesn't even see the heart because that's nothing to him. He can heal us of that stuff. What he sees is he sees what you can become. And that's why he invites us into it. That's why we tend to just see the outward appearance. God, that's not the way he operates. He says it many times through the scriptures that he's always looking at the inner person. He's looking at the heart. So this is not an easy fix. And we want an easy fix. We want, God to, we want to say yes to God. And we want God to change something that is automatic. We want it to be easy. We want it to be where it's not going to cost us that much. And it's the opposite in the kingdom. The invitation is it's going to cost you everything. Just got to start there. It's going to cost you everything. And for all of us, that looks different. And then when God begins to show you things about yourself that aren't right, you know how painful that is? Because we are so quick to say, you know, I would be okay if my husband was all right. If my wife really did the things that she's supposed to do, then my life would be a lot easier. If my kids just obeyed, if I had money. There is, I mean, that's an illusion. The grass is not greener. There's no such thing as the grass is greener. The grass is greener where you water it. And where you allow God to do those things in you and change the things in you. And the truth is, if we looked at ourselves, I don't know how we have even the time to look at other people around us. Because if we just looked at ourselves, that's a full-time job in itself. Isn't that true? I mean, that really is a full-time job. So our culture fights this. You, yourself, you have to, you have to be willing to say yes to God. I'm telling you, as a leader, I've been in ministry 25 years this month. I'll just tell you this. I, this year, have had a really hard time saying yes to God in things. I'm really honest with the Lord. I talk to the Lord. I have a relationship where I have no problem telling him I don't like it. It doesn't mean I'm not going to end up obeying. But I'm going to tell you it's been painful this year because God has asked things of me that actually I don't really appreciate. It's very uncomfortable. <laughs> I don't like it at all. And I just feel like I, I just have felt all, I haven't understood so much of it on the level where I just thought. And sometimes, and in my own thinking, in my own thinking, Lord, I've obeyed you over here, over here, over here. So since I've obeyed you over here, shouldn't I have it easier over here? 
And I just feel like, no, that's not the way that it works. Because this is ongoing process of God transforming us for us to become more like him. And the thing is, we have to live in that place that we're always willing to learn. Everybody wants to be an expert. Nobody wants to be a learner. Nobody wants to be a beginner. We all want to, we want to know everything. We want to be everything. We want to say we know, we know the Bible by heart. We know how to respond. We know all the right answers. We're doing all the right things. But the truth is God can only use you when you're willing to be taught. And you're willing to become a learner because that's the way that it is. I love that. I, I want to encourage you to be honest about where you're at because wherever you're at, then that's what God can take and grow us up. I love the story of a young woman. She wanted to go to college and when she was filling out the form, her heart sank because a question on the application, it said, it asked, are you a leader? And so she felt like, I just need to be honest here. And so she put, she wrote on the application, no. And she returned the application expecting the worst. And to her surprise, she received a letter from the college. And this is what it said. It said, dear applicant, a study of the application forms reveals that this year our college will have 1,452 new, new leaders. We are accepting you because we feel it is imperative that they have at least one follower. <laughs> That's the truth. We always say that we're way beyond where we're at. So be honest about where you're at. Jesus sees you. Jesus knows where you're at. And then this is the thing. How do you know you're on the right track? How do you know that you're actually, I'm becoming a, a better disciple of Jesus Christ? Well, Jesus says, I'm making you but I'm making you into become a fisher of men. How do I know that I'm actually doing the right thing? I smell like fish. I'm dead serious. I mean, you, all of you in this room, God's making you, and it's never just about yourself. It's actually to be a fisher of other people. And God, some of you, you know, God's placed you around carp, or, you know, some of you lobsters, some of you all kinds of different fish, different people, different background, different influences. God has placed you there for a reason. But when God's forming you, when God's working stuff out of you, a big part of that process is because he's wanting you to reach the people around you. A disciple is to make disciples. And so I know if I'm on the right track because I'm around people and I'm, I'm around things that aren't perfect. I'm around people that aren't perfect. I'm around people that are honest with their own. I'm around the unsaved. I'm around people that don't know Jesus. I'm around people that are messed up in all kinds of different ways because then I know that I'm on the right track. Surrendering to Jesus means that he's going to put you in the place that you probably would never pick. And he's going to put people around you that you probably would not want to be around. But if God is making you into the person that you're supposed to be, the disciple that you're supposed to be, when he sees you, he calls you, he's making you into a disciple of men to become an example to the people around us. And that can only be found in Jesus. The best of who we are gets found out in the best of who he is. But I know if I'm on the right track, if I'm becoming a better fisherman, and if I'm a better example to the people around you, listen, the things that you're walking through in your life right now, the hardship, even the things that you're having to surrender to Jesus in, the things that he's saying, I want you to let go of that. I want to change that. Do you realize that becoming the fisher of men is when people around you are watching you, how you process that? Most people watch not how, how we handle the good times or the fun times. They're watching how we handle pain. They're watching how we handle hardship. They're watching how we handle things that we, we wish we didn't have to walk through because that's the fragrance of what we're getting. That if I, can, if I can do this, you can do this. If I can say yes to Jesus and I know he's going to be with me and he's going to, then you can too. 
That's the message of what we have. That's why Jesus says, I'm, I'm not making you into this, you know, kingship of where you're going to rule over everybody. I'm making you into a fisher of men. That we become more like Jesus when we're walking through things, we're saying yes to him, and in the process of that, we're helping other people around us come along. Amen? That's what it looks like. Jesus sees you. He sees where you're at in your life right now, and he calls you. You've got to know his voice. If you, if you don't know his voice, you want to ask him to, to speak to you. You want to get prayer so that you know what that, what that feels like. You need to hear how God calls you by name because it's very personal. And in that, surrender to him. If there's anything, just surrender to the Lord. Don't make things harder on yourself than they have to be. If you don't want to miss out on what God wants to do, then surrender. Just say yes. You have a, you're going to learn things one way or the other. It's either the hard way or the easier way. Isn't that true? And we learn best if we just surrender and allow God to do whatever it is that he wants to do in us. Amen? Why don't you stand? Um, if you don't mind, um, if, and if you're new here this morning, or uh, when I preach, I like to, if you don't mind putting your hand over your heart, this isn't going to hurt, you know, he's going to push you over. But I just feel like when we preach the word, You know, the Bible talks about that when God's word gets planted, that the enemy loves to come in and steal that. And I think it's just really important that we seal God's word over us. And so just do that. If you, if you're new here, you don't know that you don't have to do this. This is just if you want to, but let's just take a few minutes, close your eyes for a minute, put your hand over your heart. Lord, we thank you for your presence today. Lord, we thank you for the church. We thank you for the gift of worship. We thank you, Lord, that we even have the ability to gather. We have this community. Lord, we thank you for all of that. Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would move on our church, Lord, and that you would, you would uh, move on it in power and that other people will come to know you. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that this morning that you would seal your word over us. Lord, I thank you for your promise this morning, Lord, that you see us. Lord, that you see us in the midst of all of our hardship, our burdens, our addictions, our sufferings, Lord, that you see us. I thank you, Lord, for the promise, Lord, that you call us, and Lord, that it's all-inclusive, that this is for everyone. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you call us, and I thank you, Lord, that you're constantly making us to become more like you. Lord, that you're forming us, Lord, that you're constructing us, and I thank you, Lord, that there's promise in that, that it's to the fruition of the promise of what you see in us, and Lord, what you've called us to. Lord, I thank you for that promise this morning. And I pray, Lord, that you would seal all those promises and all that truth. And I also pray, Lord, that you'd put your spirit inside of us to say yes to you. Lord, any area that we're resisting you, that we're fighting you, that we're justifying behaviors or choices, Lord, I just pray that you would empower us to say yes to you.